Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to a delayed version of Canon Talk. I'm your host, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Hope everybody's doing well during these tough times. Two games to discuss. First off, let's kick off the FA Cup game against Newcastle. Yeah, so we defend our FA Cup, um, or actually our FA Cup campaign starts against Newcastle at the Emirates. Um, it was quite also nice to see the... You know, the champions of the FA Cup actually wearing a, a special edition type badge. I, I'm not sure if it's been done in previous seasons, but actually my son also picked it up where you could actually see it's like the rever- almost like inverted colours of the, you know, what the rest of the clubs are wearing. I didn't even pick that up, actually. So I should actually go and have a look at that. So thanks for putting that to my attention. So, yeah, you learn something new every day. Yeah. So the big shock at, at the warm-up already was Martinelli in, in, Martinelli in the warm-up ends up twisting his ankle and I mean it looks kind of bad I mean he ends up also being in tears and uh, Reese Nelson then makes a late uh, start in the game because the Arsenal squad then uh, revised and was Leno, Cedric, Luis, Marie, Tierney, the back five then El Nini and Willock in central midfield in like the deep line and then Pepe, William, Nelson as the more attacking range of uh, midfielders and then Aubameyang spearing the attack what was your thoughts? You know, I thought I'd take to listen to us. I don't know if you recall last week we mentioned about the Bamiyang maybe getting a start to kind of boost his confidence to maybe, um, you know, get onto the score sheet. So it was a good thing that William puzzled me a bit. I mean, I don't know how he starts ahead of Reese Nelson, you know, regardless of, mm-hmm. I mean, if it wasn't for the Martinelli injury, um, I doubt that, that, that Nelson would have gotten a start even, or even a, a shot to play over William, which is quite shocking. Mm. And then the back, centre-back, you know, that's what we were crying out for. You know, you wanted Pablo Marie to be tested against um, the likes of Andy Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like we got, that, that was also interesting, and it was going to be an interesting duel for me. Um yeah, the only thing that worries me now, you know, besides the whole starting lineup, is the fact that Martinelli's injuries are starting to become quite regular. So it's it's little niggles here and there that's happening all the time, and you wonder now, you know, is there something similar to the likes of Jack Wilshere? I mean, for me, yeah. it's I haven't said anything like that, but it's it's a worrying aspect of of a player every time, you know, just coming back back down on the treatment table and it's going to, you know, become, eventually become a, a problem. Right now it's not, but soon it will be. Mm. So, when the game starts, Arsenal, of course, begin as, as per usual these days, like under this new sort of style of play and tactic about it. Starting more on the front foot, uh, Reese Nelson already forces uh, Dubravka in the Newcastle goal already into early saving in the first minute we cracks a shot at the but you saw the near post, and I think the keeper just manages to, you know, palm the ball away. Yeah, it's, uh, at that point, I thought Arsenal were going to, would say, run away with the game because he was starting so, like, you know, on fire. And, you know, like you said, Newcastle, the FA Cup for me was not their priority. Yeah. I think uh-huh. for them, it's kind of a, you know, just another distraction. So I thought at that point, Arsenal would have. Um, given they all to get the result. And I thought it would have been an easy game. I even had a little bet on the game, thinking that yeah. Arsenal would run away with it. Yeah, and I mean, the first quarter, Arsenal, you know, total domination, passing the high press also caused all sorts of problems to Newcastle. But then, I mean, I think after sort of about the 20th minute, they Newcastle now start waking up. Joe Hilton ends up forcing a, a decent block by Cedric. 
And I mean, all of a sudden, now it looks like, uh, you know, uh, Newcastle are not kind of being on the front foot. But that being said, even though they were trying to be some sort of threat going forward, Andy Carroll was doing so much donkey work at the back. Like, every time he was, like, busy clearing corners away that uh, when we were attacking the goal. So, at times, even the commentator was thinking, like, you've got one of your best central strikers, and he's helping out at right back at times. He's helping at left side center back. He's helping out even on the goal line as well. So I think that also kind of probably shunted, you know, their attack prowess. And in a way also the, the sort of game, because at times it was almost like just playing out to a stalemate because you were having this back and forth stuff, but it wasn't like really, you know, that you'd say like, wow, it's the, the action areas are in the box or, you know, just there. Everything was kind of building up to that and then like petering out because there was also a chance where, I think Aubameyang also lined himself up for a shot. Okay, he did sting the fingers of, of the keeper. But, I mean, after that, I think Reese Nelson gets himself in a good position. And he's almost like a little bobbling ball to the keeper. So, everything was almost like simple for both keepers, really. Yeah, and I, and I think, um, William, you know, coming in, you would have expected something from him. I thought, yeah. the, I think, was it the rebound of the Aubameyang shot? Or was it, uh, you said it was Nelson? I don't know if I'm skipping too far ahead, but yeah. I know William did have a kind of a shot where he kind of blasted it over the poles where he didn't have any composure. I think the commentator even could have said, why did he take it on his weaker foot? Oh, but, it was that, that, that Aubameyang shot, yeah, where it paired yeah. out again to him, so it bounced even. Everybody thought he's going to rather go for placement than power. Yeah, and, and I just don't, you know, as much as I like kind of William and Charles, I just don't know yeah. if it's working for him at Arsenal. I think, and like, this was a game for him, maybe where he could have got his confidence up, but it just seems that it's not working out. It's, it's I don't know. And I think that kind of, having him there playing in the central attacking middle, it kind of yeah. made Arsenal seem quite flat and out yeah. of ideas. Because I mean, he, he, um, he, of course, he now he's picked up on on the media reports also about you know he saw the performances which is for most parts lackluster and you know he's just prodding around, not really you know really interested in getting involved in the match. And then he said it's like you know different uh, style of play, different attitude at at the club. But I mean, you can't tell me um, like if you take say someone like Gabriel for you know the centre back, he's come from Lille. And I mean, the same as, as Pepe. But I mean, it's like two different sort of, of, of uh, attitudes. Like you've got Pepe still having this stroller type mentality when he's playing. And you've got Gabriel who's always on the money, always on the button. And I mean, you can't tell me William can't adjust himself like that to, you know. And I mean, he's not part of the English game for, you know, been years now. I mean, he's had like yes, a little break. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. You can't tell me he's like, you know, uh, green to all this. You should know uh, what's expected of him. And I think that is where, uh, not only Arsenal, but I mean, uh, not Arsenal fans, I mean, not only Arsenal, the, the club itself, but the way they decide to buy him is almost like taking the William of the start of the 1920 season for, for Chelsea. You know, that that's, you know, what he added to their game at that time. Yeah. And now you're throwing him in, in this type of thing in especially now you're in a sort of rebuilding project. And I would, look, you remember I was talking it also up. I was thinking, you know, he's going to come with that sort of mindset. But if you think we actually got the the, the William now, which Chelsea saw, and that was the thing that made them not really want to resign him because they saw that latter part of, of last season for them, he, did, like, he wasn't really contributing that much. 
Yeah, uh, and, and he was a very problematic player. Uh, you know, he has his moments where you know he, he's he's killing it, and then he goes down like this. You know, anonymous thing. I think or even Mourinho that didn't even want to play when he scored at one stage. So you you gotta ask why, and I think Arsenal's found out why. I mean, it's every time he's in the team, it seems like it's we we we're going backwards, and he's not bringing out anything in the other players in the team. So. You know, maybe we have to cut our losses mm. with with him, and I mean, you know, I think MLS may be better for him. I mean, uh, that ass blog was nailed it the other day. Where he said like he, he's now gotten to a stage, and I think you and I discussed it the other day already in private about when when William when you see him warming up and he's ready to come on. Now, ass blog was saying the other day in his podcast that he actually feels at times you know that that, that sort of not nauseous type of thing, but. You get that, that weird feeling in your stomach and that when you know, okay, yeah, this guy's going to come on because now you're not really lose your, say, attacking threat, your running threat, also all that type of things you're going to kind of lose with with him. And that's how I also, like, for me at the moment, right now, I mean, I feel that also when I see Pepe come on. I mean, I know people are still trying to, you know, so that, that last bit of, 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 of whims of whatever, that something that comes still good out of this whole thing. But it's like the more you watch him or you watch Pepe, you just think, it's just not coming, or maybe it's yeah. just not the right mix. I mean, look, there's always we've been Arsenal fans for so long, also where you've seen also when certain players just don't, you know, gel. There's no, you know, that there's no, you know, what we would say Arsenal DNA type of thing in the player where they almost like kind of almost like play for themselves, also like they don't worry about the real team effort. It's almost like I'm gonna put on a performance so that scouts can see me and I'm gonna do this and that. Yeah, you, you, you never really see him playing one-twos or anything. It's always he gets the ball, tries to take on, lose the ball, gets himself into a thing and can't cross the ball. And for me, I just think that they, I'm sure there's someone else better than Pepe probably for... Yeah. for you're probably going to make a massive loss on the player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. Unai Emery said that he wanted Wolfram Zaha. I don't know who yeah. that is. And so, yeah, I, I just think that even in this game, I mean... He, he didn't put... I mean, he was better than what William was, but I still feel that he's not offering enough for the team to warrant him a starting place. And I just think that with Saka playing on the, the right-hand side, we're going to see very little of Pepe, and we might as well kind of cut our losses there. And he's happy to be second fiddle, which even him being second fiddle, he's not even motivated to be yeah. number one. So, I mean, like, the more, you know, the, with regards to the game now again, the more the game also wore on in that first half, the players you you know that were rotated in. I mean, I really thought, and I think I've discussed this to you for ages, and I mean I've also mentioned on the podcast. You try to think to yourself, okay, you're getting another chance. You've been on the bench now for weeks. Now you're getting your chance to, you know, almost like being the limelight. You know, you can your time to shine and get yourself, you know, into that Premier League squad. But I mean, you you have players now that have now come in. Like, you know, say, say Will, uh, William, of course, Pepe, Willock, Nelson, and even, uh, you know, per se, El Nini. But that being said, you did not see anything like real, of real quality from them because the ball control was bad. Every time they were taking the ball on, it's bobbling and bouncing, which is already telling you the concentration's not there. And then you get, all, of course, when they are in the box and they're getting the sort of chances, they take like two to three extra touches then, you know, just like stop, shoot. Or, or yeah. fire immediately. And that is where I, I worry about these sort of players also. Because 
especially now, you know, with our homegrown players like Willock and, and Nelson, you're also not seeing that, that sort of development kick on because, look, Nelson is getting now on in age. If you think of the time he's now been at Arsenal, he's had now loan stretches. Uh, Willock hasn't really had that much of a loan thing, but you also don't see him kicking on from, you know, the sort of Willock that was sitting at that 25 or 30 yard scream against Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know, what if 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 Arteta has something at Reese Nelson, or Reese Nelson is not showing something at training. Yeah. But how is it that you know William gets kind of priority over him? Still baffles me. But like you said, you know Reese Nelson, he, he he does put in the performance, but it doesn't set the world alight. That says to Arteta, you know, you have to pick me over anyone else. Yeah. And like you said, Warlock as well. Not not telling him like I can do a job with um I um. Party or Xhaka in the midfield. It's, I just they 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 just did because they're gonna get the chance in uh as a rotation policy yeah, um, in Arteta's team, and you know that I'm happy to go with that. So there's no hunger and desire. I mean, you look at Saka. I mean, younger than them. I mean, Emil Smith as well. He's also you know putting up his hand every time the opportunity was given to him. So you know. <sighs> Is it time for Arsenal to kind of bring in players that's going to add value and fight for that number one yeah. spot? Because I don't see us going further than where we are if we keep on with this mentality. You know, I've, I've always been somebody that likes that, that sort of, not only fierce competition, but also competition where quality replaces quality. Like, if you think of, of, of say, the Invincible seasons, you had Ashley Cole and Gail Clichy. Gail, Gail Clichy was a youngster just coming in. Yeah. I mean, he fit in solidly, and and what I liked also, if you if you can take that aspect of it also of that uh, invincible season, he had some like Ashley Cole, so he might get a rest and he's on the bench. Then he'll come on maybe with say fifteen minutes to go, and he'll come on as a sub, but as a left winger, and Gail Clichy will still stay there, and vice versa. Where Clichy would come on late games as a sub, and then he'll go up as a winger. So I mean, he had like quality, so you have that defensive aspect plus the attacking aspect of things. But I think with us at the moment, it's just no, like, I think this is where Arteta, I mean, I think maybe I was just too easy to pull the gun. But I just think this is where the, the patience comes in the patience game. But I just think where somebody like Edu also needs to fully support Arteta also. Like, if he says, look, I'm going to need this, I'm going to need that sort of player, then you get him that sort of player. And don't come with that, I'm going to get it from my agent buddy or something like that. Don't, like, that thing, that phase, I think we should also get, out, get rid of where... Edu will also have to start distancing himself from agents. Simple as that. Because I think there's too many things. Because I was just discussing with my, one of my other Arsenal friends the other day. You know, like when you when you look at the sort of, of deals that we've now got, where we, we've now set ourselves. Look, I, got, I don't have a big gripe with, with Cedric. But I mean, if you come in like from almost like out from the cold and you immediately get like a, what was it, a three or four year deal and you're 27 yeah. and you had a lot of injuries. So you already said, even though it came off as a free transfer, but I mean, you're still going to be paid that, you're going to still have to pay that money. And the same with William, where he comes out from, from you know, almost like frozen out of Chelsea, and he just walks into a, a solid three-year deal, where I think two is guaranteed already, with the option of the third. But you are setting yourself, setting yourself up for failure, you're going to go this way every time, because now you're going to have almost like this sort of anchor around your neck, you don't know how you're going to get rid of it, if it's not going yes. to pay off. Then you rather, I think Gunner blogger asked blog said the other day also where, then you rather offer people like, say, William, you give him the one year 
like a one-year deal plus an option if if you as a club are impressed yeah. then you can get you maybe get to a second but you can't just you know at this rate you can't we're not going to go forward like that if we're going to keep on with uh going for these sort of signings no i think what you you hit the nail on the head perfectly with 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 the quality over quantity type of thing in the squad because if you look at you know previous seasons when, when we kind of rotated players it was also like there wasn't a hole in the team. Like right now, if you leave Kieran Tierney out of the team, there's a hole in the team yeah. completely. Like there's nobody. Like there should be a, a youngster or, or like, you know, up and coming left back that will be able to play, you know, just second fiddle to Kieran Tierney, but also will be able to kind of take him out of the position if Kieran Tierney is having, you know, two or three bad games in a row. Somebody can replace him there, you know, and, and, and let him fight for the position. I know, um, People want to be guaranteed first in football, but you know it shouldn't work like that. You should have like your three centre backs, and I think with Marie Holding coming right slowly and Gabriel, I think you have possibly, unless you like some people feel that you need an additional youngster that can do a better job than than Holding. But I mean, there you have two guys, three guys that can you know work as a combination, rotating. But right now, without Paladin. At the right back and, and TNA at left back, you kind of have uh, have, have holes and the team becomes flat. It's like if you remove one player out of the Arteta um, kind of style of play, yeah. the team becomes flat. And we've seen this now against Newcastle. I mean, we we, we battled. Yeah. And look, at, I also look at, at the aspect of um, look with David Luiz. Uh, uh, there has been those like you know subtle rumors that he could even get another year. Even though oh, we're gonna wow. no no wait, wait 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 just give me a hearing first that you know you could get another year because I mean I'm not look uh, you know I'm not his like you know the biggest fan of him but you have noticed when he plays and he that that sort of long passes we it causes total confusion I mean that, that was also like key to the FA Cup where we had the the you know Chelsea on the youth constantly because every time they were building up this sort of gameplay he just came and just belted it forward for. You know, almost like the fast runners to go after, which more often than not, we were causing all sorts of problems. And I think that is the aspect where he is, you know, doing things quite well, for you know, for that, in that aspect. I just think, you know, you should just stay out of, say, the team matters, like, you know, where it's really close to the club, where, where you, almost like you're not building a squad around him, but you're using him more as the experienced way of, of bringing through certain players, because some of them look, don't get me wrong, some of that youngsters and that are going to be looking up to people like that. Same way with Socrates, I heard also in, in, when he plays for the academy squad, like to keep fit, that kids also look up to him, that play alongside him. That, and I think that I think that is what we also need, some sort of, uh, you know, responsible guy that can carry, the, of course, David Luiz is a total different zone to what we normally talk about. But I just think, you know, if he can get us, or, or if he edges us also over to that, where we can sit almost like more in the top half of the table for, almost like, you know, from now until the rest of the season, then, I mean, I would not say no to him and staying on another season, but I'm not saying don't now go out and buy. I would still start off, you know, start uh, replacing people like Socrates, Mustafi, and, that, and then you use him almost like just as a backup thing, even if it's like for a Euro Europa League campaign or a Carabao Cup campaign. Like, that's no, my opinion. I, I, I guess I agree with you. Now. And you see a lot of guys look up to, to Luis, like Saka even. Um, 
But it's obviously the media probably portrays him as this bad apple in the side. And you don't obviously know what's happening. But apparently, I remember him and Arteta had a big bust up where they were talking to each other and all the rest. So I'm not, you know, yeah. too sure the, how the politics are going within the squad. But yeah, I, I just feel that we, we, we do kind of miss that he, he's passing range. And I think he adds almost a creative kind of midfielder as well as a defender when he does play. I mean, what I like also about Marie at the moment is like he's doing now the same thing if Luis is not there. He's not eating that sort of inch perfect passes or because I mean, there's been now numerous games that you know, you and I've been also watching and our listeners and that where he's now you know spraying these like 40 50 yard passes and it's also causing a lot of chaos with the opponent. And I think that is where we all I mean, we've been hopping about this for, for months already about. You know, changing the style of playing, you don't have to always do that tippy-tappy football. You can also, you know, go a bit rude one now and then. For me, Maria and Gabriel is a combination I would love to actually see. Yeah. Because ever since Maria's been in the side, it's become almost a different piece at the back as well. His yeah. reading of the game is, yeah. is, is really good compared to, like, most players. I mean, the way he lacks in speed, I'm sure Gabriel could make up for it. Like, I mean, you can see he does not get flustered quick. I mean, you get guys who's like barging him in the back, and, and he'll just cool and calm, use his strength to almost like hold you off, and then he just plays an easy ball to Tierney or he plays the ball back into the right side of the pitch. Yeah, no, de- definitely. I think he, he handled um, Andy Carroll relatively well. I think Louise also gave him a few knocks and bumps, <laughs> which is good to, good, to, good, to, good to have. I mean, we don't get bullied as much as we once did. Yeah. So the second half, in what was like what we could call a dire first half, uh, we now start again trying to get you know back on track because the, as, as I said, the first half was petering out to something boring. But second half, we're not trying to be a bit more lively. I think the words of Arteta probably also got him a bit fired under the backside. Uh, Pepe then ended up uh, he's having a shot, but I mean his shooting was all over the place. It was something more effective to like a, you know a fly off in the rugby because. <laughs> he shot. I mean, every time I was trying to watch, it's he's gonna now whistle pass, just pass the goal. Then you see from other angles, it's, he's like really shake, like literally shanking the ball <laughs> in a bad way. No, um, Pepe, I think it's is is I don't know. You know, it, it's weird because he, he he contributes a lot of goals and assists, but his overall gameplay, you know, for the benefit of the team doesn't bring the best out of the, the team as, it's, as itself. It, it's a weird thing to say that yeah. a, a player with so much golden assist still kind of drags the team down. And we've seen it with our defenders. And for me, you know, Ballerin's a perfect example of what happens if you put somebody reliable in front of him. Something we've, we've, mm-hmm. we've missed for the longest of times. And I think, you know, as much as you said, um, um, uh, also sort of, you know, picking up momentum in the game. I think the second half also gave us a lot of scares with Newcastle starting to also become more confident realising they can get it as Arsenal side. Yeah, because look, Leno was forced into a safe 54th minute from Andy Carroll. Then, of course, I think Arsenal also now started, you know, getting wind that they need to now force the initiative and that also came in the 56th minute when Emil Smith-Rowe got introduced with uh, Reese Nelson then coming off. Uh, Aubameyang then on the hour mark, he had a, quite a bad miss. I mean, I, you know, for somebody that I thought now was not going to get now, so, you know, it was like a rubble the green with what, shooting boots again. But I mean, he was like 
so the way of the mark with these, you know, that, that shots that we almost like his trademark shot that we now got to love. Then in 64th minute, Willock then gets a header, you know, well palmed away by uh, Dubravka. And Pepe of all people uh, um, whooping in the cross. Yeah. Dubravka, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of him. I don't know how you yeah. feel about him, but yeah, yeah, always I like him. Save. Uh, for, for me, as a, I don't know if he would be happy to join Arsenal as a. You know, kind of a, a a guy to kind of put pressure on Leno. Not that Leno is is slacking, but just a number two that is reliable as well. I mean, I wonder if that's something that, that would interest him even because I mean he was also pulling off some fantastic fantastic yeah, yeah. saves as well. Because yeah, I mean, I remember when when Newcastle signed him back in the day. I I, I didn't think much, you know. I, I just saw the name on the team sheet, and then I got to watch him play. And I mean, the sort of stuff that he was pulling off against, like, say, the top, anything of, like, the top six teams, did you think it was, like, wow, this guy, I mean, like, he's, he, he kind of gives them, like, you know, a, a chance of getting some, something out of the game because he's quite agile. I mean, he moves, he covers his area while he actually dominates his box well as well. So, I mean, that also impresses me watching him as a, as, as a keeper. So, um, 66 men, Arsenal then make a double substitution. William and Willock come off. On comes Xhaka and Saka. So, of course, you see also the whole dynamic now changing into almost like what, what is probably building up now to Arteta's strongest team now because he's bringing on these three uh, vital subs now. Yeah, that was... You could see the injection into the team once they would come in. Yeah. It's amazing how Emil Smith is becoming, you know, a pivotal part of the side, somebody that probably would never got into the side two months ago or even a month ago. Yeah, I mean, like with the new players now on, for the, that late in the second half. Arsenal start looking more, you know, stronger. They, everything looks a bit more uh, organized, you know, more disciplined because everything was, like, was moving way fast. And you could see uh, Newcastle were, besides getting leggy, they were now also just trying to play now for the counter-attack game. And, you know, that almost came to bite us on the backside because in the 90th minute, I think, 92nd minute, even. Yeah, yes, yes. Leonard and Pools were probably double save of the season where... The ball gets peeled out, played uh, to uh, Andy Carroll. He ends up shooting. Leno, you know, throws a flailing arm, which catches the ball. The rebound, of course, lands again close to Andy Carroll's feet. As about to pull the trigger, Leno just smacks the ball away. And, I mean, as he, as he follows through with a shot, you just see the tufts of grass flicking up as Leno recovers to smother the ball. Yeah, that's for me. I had the mouth in my mouth. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we out. Oh, yeah, we out. I, I literally thought, be out when when uh, when Andy Carroll, you know, had that opportunity, and you know that kind of was a saving grace because I think taking us then to to extra time, uh, I think you know Newcastle were always going to be the the more leggy of the lot. Oh, yeah, uh, I actually forgot this point, but wasn't it after that save when Leno bowls it out where Smith Rowe gets the supposed the red first, like the red card. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And oh, then, yeah, that was a hot in past moments. And I mean, the more I'm looking at it, I'm thinking this cannot be, you know, a red, because I think it was more the guy shouting and collapsing to the ground. And then, I mean, when you see, he's actually stretching for the ball in VAR now, uh, told the ref to have another look at it. And you could actually see it was almost like he's saving grace, because just him stretching out for the ball and actually falling backwards, Saved him from, you know, anything malicious. So, I mean, Smith Rowe gets a big, big let-off. And, I mean, big let-off to something that, that he eventually becomes like a key player into the, the going into extra time. 
Yeah, I think exit time, like you said, I think Arsenal was a wake-up call and you just knew that, that we were going to have the, the quality to push on and I think Newcastle started, you know, becoming more defensive and I think they probably yeah. would have taken penalties then after that because, I mean, Dubravka would have given them a big chance in penalties. Yeah, because 94th minute, Jaka, you know, shocks, I think, most gooners. When the corner gets taken, the ball gets off, cleared by Newcastle and he comes in from, I think, he starts his run from probably just close to the halfway line and starts, you know, careering in. And it's one of their sweet dipping volleys, and I think Dubravka just manages to, you know, fist that ball over to the over the bar. And I mean, that would have been probably one of Chaka's wonder goals at the club. Yeah, it seems like he only does score wonder goals. I don't think he scored anything in the box ever, really. I mean, I can't recall any Chaka goals happening in the box. He always has that pop from outside the box, and I think it's something a lot of the players don't do enough. Yeah. So you know, kudos to him for taking the risk, even though. A lot of the time, you know, we always on Jaka's case. Then 100th minute, Saka then forces the Bravka into a save again, you know, at the near post. Uh, 102nd minute, Pepe then has a shot blocked by Matt Ritchie, who came on late for, for Newcastle as a sub. Uh, 105th minute, then Pepe came off, Lakers came on, and it was all like the usual troop were now, you know, the, the, the core that's been like, carrying the team so far this season. We're not all together because now you had like Tierney playing, you had Saka, Smithrow, uh, Granit Xhaka and um, Lacazette now on the pitch. You you see that there's a quite a good relationship building between Smithrow and, and Lacazette. It seems that they seem to really get the best out of each other, the two of them. Yeah, then 109 minutes, the, finally the breakthrough. Kieran Clark gets robbed of the ball. Smith Rowe plays in a quick one-two with Lacazette, and I mean, he steers the ball past the Magpies keeper with, you know, great control finish, because I mean, he collects the ball, I think, on the chest, brings it down, and I really thought he was going to kind of choke at the shot, but I mean, you could see he really composed himself in that, that almost like milliseconds, and then just steered the ball past the keeper, one or Arsenal. And I think that kind of gave that youngster even more confidence to believe that, you know, I can become a key figure in this team, and I think I know Arsenal probably do need some more creativity to kind yeah. of you know, relieve the pressure of, of the youngster. But you can see that that number 10 jersey could slowly but surely be coming onto this guy. Because, I mean, you know, almost like a full phone in that Man City, this guy, mm. this Emil Smith is becoming slowly but surely a, a, a name on the team sheet that you can't deny anymore. Because, I mean, he got clearly arrested for, for bigger games in the in the future, and now he's come up to kind of do almost what the old Arsenal did when they said, here comes the cavalry coming off the bench to to get the goal for us. Well, you know, one thing I always, I'm just off topic of it, just where I always have a chuckle about where I think about, what is it, could be three, three or four years ago where you still mentioned about full Foden, like when we used to play the, you know, you and I played the career mode on FIFA. And you always would tell me, yeah, just go for him and you'll see. And then I'm thinking, what, what does Aiden not know about this guy? And then afterwards you see, what, like not only how he's developed, like say in a, in a sort of video game, arcade game, and you've seen him now, uh, uh, what he's achieved now is a, a, actually a professional player now. He's like, you know, it was like a first team in Man City. He's a England international. And I'm thinking, geez, Aiden, you really got this, uh, this gem right. Yeah, it's not often you call it right, but yeah, I've been impressed with him. Like, you know, from the moment I saw him, I think it was in the Champions League in 2018. Uh, I think they were playing one of the games against Basel. And I think that from ever since that point, I think, you know, he's caught our eye. And I'm hoping that Emil Smith can maybe do the same thing for Arsenal. 
Yeah. So back to the game. Uh, 117th minute. Again, great work between Xhaka, Tierney. Allows the Scotsman to send the ball into the danger area. And Aubameyang nips in. 2-0 Arsenal. And finally, the Gabonese striker gets a goal after quite a bit of a drought again. Uh, but, you know, this is your favourite line. You like saying, or you, you like Georgian players play a part in the second assist. And I think Xhaka, yeah. you know, did, did, did very well. And he, he seems to be getting his passes spot on. And, I, and you brought it to my attention because I never really um, kind of you know, took much note of it, mm. of, of his performances. But it, it's, it's almost like, as you said, each each day or each game, he, he comes on. His performance is becoming better and better. So I'm hoping that uh, this can keep up. And mm. you know, we still obviously do need another player in that position. Yeah. But it's kind of he's kind of outshining. Not that they're doing the same job, but over Sebayos at the moment. Because for me, you know, Sebayos since he's, he's he's almost he started his loan spell. It's like I've been really impressed with him. I'm not sure if his heart is at Arsenal if he wants to go back to Madrid. Mm. But uh, I mean, what what I actually enjoyed of that goal, especially is like, um, I'm sure you also experienced that when you were playing in that way. You have a, almost like a certain player in your team where you, you don't even need to talk to him. You just know, and he just knows where you're gonna make your run, and he just knows where the player that he's gonna have to lay the killer kill pass, and you're gonna actually run onto it. And for me, that that's sort of instinctiveness where if you think of it, Zaka is almost like just clear range straight pass. And in that playing that straight pass, TNU's already going on the overlap, running around the, you know, the, the fullback and the left mid, or sorry, right uh, right side midfielder, going around, arcing his run right around both of them, and then come actually meeting the ball at also what they would say the apex, and then eating the forty-five and bang go. Yeah, um, and we move on to the next round against either Southampton or is it the Southampton or another? I can't remember the other team. It's a yeah, lower division team. But I do see Southampton overcoming them, and I think they do set up a really tough test at St Mary's. Yeah, and I mean, the fifth round draw was being done as well because the winner of that, Shrewsbury, Southampton, the Arsenal tie, will be Chorley, non league Chorley versus Wolves. So already tough we already games. know who's, who's going to be you know, up front you know, to, to play. So it's, it's, it's tough, 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 tough fixtures. I mean, if, if you would be given that in the. Um, you know, a draw, you would want to stay away from Premier League clubs. And I mean, we probably, unless Southampton is focusing on their Premier League run, you know, we could see, you know, some tough games even against the likes of Wolves. Yeah, the thing is, I think with Southampton is they've got almost like a set 11. And you can't play that set 11 throughout, whereas Arsenal have comes like, you know what, we've been talking about the bloated squad. So we've yeah. got actually, you know, you can't chop and change things. So it depends, is Arsenal going to take the risk and play? Almost like your strongest 11 because you look, you must also think. I think after that, there's going to be again a sort of uh, uh, I think a midweek game after that. So I think you have to also, you know, I think these coaches will have to really balance closely how they're going to set up shop in these, you know, the next couple of weeks because you know, things get nothing and fast now. And when you look again, we're back to Europa League fixtures again. Yeah, but it's almost time, eh? I mean, this year's two weeks in yeah. old already, <laughs> and we're halfway through it. and... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting really, you know, crunch time again. And hopefully Arsenal can set a few more games together and play and get add quality signings. Not people that's going to just come in there and look to get a wage, but somebody that's going to, you know, put pressure on 
whatever position they they plan on coming in for. I mean, my take right now is I think look, it's gonna probably come out in the talking point section. But I mean, the only point I'm the upper now is like I just think right now to get you know just get people out of the door right now to kind of trim the squad going into you know this is part. Look, we still got like about a couple of weeks of the January window still open, so I would actually try to get. You know, as many as we can out because look, Matt Macy's also already. I said last, I think last week or so, he's already at Tibernian to see how that last half month as a sort of half season as a loney. And then I think he will probably be he's a free agent in, in June. So he then that's probably uh, almost like what Cedric did with us, where he did the half season loan and became a permanent signing the the summer. With all the best to Matt Macy as well. I know he's been a servant at the club. You see him in a lot of team photos down the years. <laughs> but, you know, he's never really gotten the shot. So you wonder, you know, was he not good enough? Or what was it that you that at the moment that he couldn't get a chance ahead of Runa Runison at the moment? Yeah. So Arsenal back in, in action again last Thursday against Crystal Palace. Uh, you know, back on league duty and somewhat uh, dismayed not seeing Pablo Marie and uh, Kieran Tierney in the squad, both uh, were said to be rested due to sore muscles and, and calf tightness. Because, look, you can't expect it because the sort of, I mean, someone like said Kieran Tierney was playing themselves into the ground. And if you think um, Pablo Marie was out, you know, a huge chunk of, of the, the past season also. And then also, uh, you know, had a kind of setback before the season started. So he was out again in a few months. So I think it was like a lot of games, you know, piled on him as well. So I think it was also much. You know, deserved bike by both. But you know, that being said, one thing that did also frustrate me is like uh, the manner in which Crystal Palace not only start the game, but also gave me a good sort of mindset of what the game was going to be like going into this match. Because the, the minute the ball gets to, to Crystal Palace at the back, they just belt that ball. I mean, there was not even anything between like, you know, interplay between defenders or. You know, like getting the goalie involved and getting play the ball amongst the back five. He just bringing all of them at the back, were just booting the ball forward. So it's like also getting a kind of taste of their own medicine of the, like, you know, if you think of the FA Cup final. No, uh, uh, it was just kind of a a, a a team that you would have needed a lot of imagination and creativity to yeah. break down. Yeah. And I think as this game, you know, went on and and. and at the time, you could see that Arsenal were, were running out of ideas to kind of, you know, how do we break down a stubborn side like this? And I think it, it's been a lot of under the Arteta reign. It's, it's it's something that's kind of been lacking in the team where, besides Saka, you don't have another creative. Like, I know Aubameyang, you know, does his job out wide, but he doesn't have that pure trickery of a, of, of a winger. You, 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 he's better playing as a you know up front because he he, he has the pace still but not as maybe somebody that has a raw pace like a Martinelli. I think a Martinelli would have done wonders in this game as well to kind of give the defenders a distraction as well. I don't know what you know in a way bothered me with with um, the whole setup with Arsenal. The minute Tierney, you know, it was it was now said that he's not out with a or arrested or an as a side legal. Um where I was worried was when when Maitland Niles came in at left back for this game, you already knew the problem was going to be since we're not all used to the ball get played out to the left. <clears throat> Tierney comes bursting down, and then in that same momentum, without breaking stride or anything, he's either taking the guy on, 
all immediately whipping the ball into the box, you know, causing havoc. Yeah. But I mean, now you've got Ainsley Maitland Niles, a right footer playing left back, and now he does not have a left, a left peg, really. I mean, even if you concentrate right, you can see he struggles, and every time he has to check back, check back, check. And the minute I was, one thing I was picking up already, through the first 10, 15 minutes already, when he, the ball was being played out to the left, Crystal Palace was just dumping two guys on him every time, because the minute he was cutting the ball back to his right foot to, to supposedly try to get a cross in, they were forcing him to start playing the ball back either to our half, to the to the halfway line, sorry, or to the players that are still on the halfway line. So he was always kind of, you know, dropping us like two, three or four steps behind everything, like just with that playing the ball back every time, not really, you know, driving at the opposition there. Yeah, and, and I think that also you know, took away from us a lot. And, yeah. that, and that's why I made mention to it. A, I think you said, you know, we never replaced Colosseum at... It's, yeah, mean, it's ridiculous because... How can you let, I mean, then you rather have somebody already waiting in the wings that, that's ready to just walk into that squad, whether it's a signing or an, acad- an academy player. But then the minute, like, the minute Colasinas leaves, he slots in immediately, immediately. No waiting. That. And now it's like, well, like everything's not just hanging up in the air now with, with the, the left-back situation because you don't really want to take away, um, you know, uh, uh, Saka's attacking mindset by now shifting it back here again into left-back. Good morning, fellow Gunners, to another, actually, part two of our podcast that we were doing yesterday, but through uh, for, uh, electronic and technology, technological uh, difficulties, we did have a bit of a problem based with the internet. Um, so we actually, where we ended off with a podcast of yesterday was with regards to the left-back situation. I think we discussed that fully. So now we're going to switch our attention to the... Arsenal winless streak going against Crystal Palace. We haven't beat him in four games. Wow, it's been that long already. Flip, I didn't know it's so far back. I think it, it was, I remember the, 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 the oh yes, I, it all makes sense now. The 2 2 draw we had with him at, 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 um, Salas Park. That there was the 3 2 loss we had against him at the Emirates under Emery and yeah, uh... two draws back to back under with Oteta and Emery. I think that actually makes me think also the one, I think that that whole run also started, the like winless run, where, um, you remember the game with Crystal Palace where the ref gave a, a yellow card to Zaha for a dive, and then, um, when it, I think it was like one of the first things where VAR was also checked, uh, or used, where then they checked, Kossier, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was Kossielny or whatever, that did the tackle, or Mustafi, I'm not sure. I think it could have been Mustafi, that 2-2 draw. Yeah, it was a two-two draw. Yeah, where they reversed that, that the dive and the the card, and then they gave it as a penalty. Ah, it just seems VAR hasn't really worked into Arsenal's favour throughout. Uh, except you know when you mentioned against Newcastle, where they rescinded the red card, but I just can't see why we can't beat Crystal Palace. And I think as we've mentioned in the first part, Crystal Palace came there looking for a point. 
Yeah, because I mean, you could see Roy Hodgson had the whole game plan set out to frustrate. And, I mean, look, Arsenal, I mean, of course, I think by, only by the 20th minute we really end up forcing uh, uh, Palace keeper Goitan into a save. Uh, then, of course, uh, Palace didn't come again because, you know, Palace was sitting deep just waiting to spring various attacks on us. And, I mean, Zaha ends up then waltzing through the Arsenal box. I mean, I was kind of worried where you saw almost like our players kind of backing off, not, you know, almost like war ball watching his feet. And then I think it took a great tackle by uh, Granit Xhaka, of all people, because, I mean, it was, uh, the, the tackle I think was spot on because I think anything missed time, whatever it was, would have been a stonewall penalty. Yeah, Xhaka actually for me was one of the good, like, you know, standard performers in a really, what would I say, dreary game or a game that could have put some people to sleep, actually. Yeah, yeah. But Xhaka, you know, as much as stick we always give him and say, you know, we, we probably don't think he's good enough for the club, etc., etc. I mean, he's, he, he always just has that. You know, save um, saving his Arsenal career performances, where you know he wins the fans back over, and you just wonder if he could just keep up that consistency because it's almost like he he has that spell, and then all of a sudden, you know that you see that dip in his gameplay, and I think Sebayos also for me seems to be struggling quite a bit. I think he hangs too long on the ball because. You know what we're doing? That the, the team is driving with the momentum going forward. He does this little drag back. I said, look, I, I, I was telling uh, some of my family to watch with me. You know, when he's going forward, go forward. If you want to do a sort of uh, drag back, whatever, do it in the motion. But he does almost like a dead stop. And then he wants to like, you know, do a drag back and then start going towards our goal. And then in that time, he normally gets, like, since you can see Roy Hodgson had the whole game plan set up. Then they would like swarm him like with two to three players. Then he gets almost like out muscle, and then almost like he ends up hitting a misplaced pass, or the ball just gets uh, taken from him. So, so I say, uh, so that for me was also causing major, major problems in midfield. Then, uh, 39th minute, uh, James Tompkins ends up clipping the bar. Also, of course, oh, yeah. be, you know, allow the ball just to go straight over everybody's heads. He rises up, you know, cleanly to to plant the header, but I mean, of course, as I said, it clips the bar. For the second minute, as we're now winding down the second half, and uh, you can see Arsenal Worms like playing now for, you know, to get some some sort of semblance of, of normality back into the gameplay. Uh, ben Teke then again forces Leno into a fantastic save because I mean that ball was careering into the top corner, and Leno just manages to claw the ball out for like, you know for a corner. So I mean it was really alarm bells for Arsenal like going into you know halftime. Yeah, it, it, it really was, and you started worrying like. You know, he's, uh, these players looked a bit fatigued. You know, can can they get over the line? Because Palace were just, you know, making it very difficult. And we, we just missed that, that creative spark. I mean, um, I, I like to call him, or we like to call him a little Emil, actually. You know, was, was trying his thing. But it, it seemed like, as you mentioned in the previous week, I think, where you said that the possibility of teams maybe starting to figure out that, you know, he's running pretty much so between the lines. And they kind of made it very difficult for him to to do his thing. And I think with Tierney also, like you mentioned, not being there, causes that extra player to overlap. So there was a lot of things we were um, missing to our game. That And like I, like I said, we, we, we need to get that right where we have an additional player that will slot in and make the transition seamless because almost like you know you you go to a step back when you have to alternate between the first choice. Because for me, it's almost like now that you have, you know, somebody like like 
Smith Rowe is getting so much game time now. I just think to myself, he also was, uh, you know, when you when you start overplaying somebody, they become leggy. But also yes. now you're gonna have to play with that, you know, the way we um, Palace set up with the two banks of four. So now it's almost like you adding that onto his, like you know, that that, that, that uh, ensuing fatigue. So with Saka, that's so why you, you saw almost like a very dub, uh, blunted display from both of them. I mean, we know what they're capable of. We've seen the damage that they've been causing. But it's like, if you take that into context, plus you have that, that um, Kim Tierney that there's almost like another sort of outlet that he gives us on the one flank. So you could see, I think it's like everything just kind of, even though it was a home game, it was like all the chips were really against us. Yeah, there's almost like an orthodontic writer book with no ideas. It's like we had yeah, just yeah. nothing. So I, I do feel we're missing. Like, I mean, you look at Pepe, I mean, you get the players we have on the bench, you, you you think Beningi wind up throwing them on would would, would spark something, mm-hmm. but it it just there just isn't that but extra that you need from the bench. You saw it when we were playing Newcastle and we brought the players off the bench, the impact, but it just doesn't seem to be working other way around. Then uh, I just read now ends up coming off Saka, then getting slot in at left back, and then Pepe fitted in on the right wing. Uh, 69th minute, Thomas Party also then ends up coming on for the kind of toothless uh, Sevios. Uh, but, you know, still, you know, no cigar really with the breakthrough because you could see it, it needed, you know, almost like, say, two creative midfielders to really, you know, dissect yeah. or get anything out of it because no matter what we were trying, like whether it was long ball or short, you know, short slick passes, nothing was getting through. And I think what frustrated me even more, I mean, I'm sure most uh, Gunas as well, it's like when you see how they fold, folded against Liverpool and they lost at 7-0. And then I'm just thinking to myself, if we had not just had that sort of pep in our step where we quicker do you think, because look, Liverpool, that's how Liverpool dismantled him. Yeah. Uh, even at Salas Park, the passes were quicker. Palace weren't even given time to, it was like, breathe. They were just, you know, almost like literally smothered at the end. But we, you know, every time we were doing this little, it was like dragging the, the plays out and, and, I think that is also what, what caused even more problems. And even when the subs came on, it, it was like, like you got Nketiah on for Lacazette. Okay, Lacazette didn't have much joy. But, I mean, it's not like Nketiah is going to get you that thing. No. He's going to probably wait for that odd little chance, you know, to squeeze out something like with a, with a six-yard finish or something like that. But other than that, you can't expect him now also to, you know, do anything really. That's a problem though. Like, you know, you can't, you can't like, just say, okay, I know Chicharito was that fox in the box, you know, you, if, if you give him something, he'll score, but Nketiah needs to offer more than just that currently. I think Arsenal doesn't have the luxury of uh, the, just having players that will be good in the box, so yeah. you know, it's, it's either we have to unfortunately, and may sound a bit harsh, you know, maybe move him on, maybe get the loan spell or, or sell yeah. him because I, I just feel we can't afford to have any more passengers, you know, like yeah. like you said, when Ketia comes on the field, you don't get that feeling like, okay, yeah, something could happen, or if Pepe even comes on these days, you don't get that feeling that, you know, we, we could make something happen, but it's, it's, it's all seems flat when you're starting 11, because right now I think um, whoever starting 11, and when any of those starting 11 guys, I mean, maybe between the centre-backs we're still fine, but if anybody else that's starting 11 doesn't either click or um, start 
the team goes a bit backwards. Yeah. So, I mean, 85th minute, the big scare for Arsenal. Rob Holding then snuffs out the Zaha run on the, on the left flank. Uh, the latter, of course, sprawling all to the deck, looking for a penalty, which thankfully VAR dismissed. Because I think as well like his reputation is also kind of caught up with him. You know, the way he goes down constantly when he's in and around the box. So I think, you know, wise call by, uh, by VAR, and I'm not a good tackle by Rob Holding. Yeah, Rob Holding slowly but surely coming back to that. I'm not saying he's that form yet, you know, when he, under Emery, you know, that spell before he picked up that injury. I just yeah. think Rob Holding is, oh, he's like building that confidence up. So, you know, hopefully there's no setbacks. And, like, you know, who knows, maybe him, Gabriel and Murray could be a formidable like, partnership, the three of yeah. them alternating and taking, you know, each other's places. Because they both, they, it looks like they can learn from each other and be basically leaders as well. They all can be quite vocal. Yeah, so the game petered out in a no no draw. Arsenal stay 11th. And on we go to the build-up for tomorrow evening's match. Uh, Arsenal at home to Newcastle, part two. Uh, yeah, the next installment uh, awaits. Uh, to, it's going to be interesting to also see now both teams line up now because look, it was that game, the FA Cup game, Arsenal made about, I think, eight changes. Newcastle made seven. So I think both teams are going to now want to put their, you know, the strongest 11 from the get-go in this game. Do you, do you think Arsenal will go play Saka and Emil Smith? Because it's yeah. just... That, that's actually, yeah, I'm actually just having a bit of question marks on that because I really think, you know, even if it's forced, but, you know, you let them kind of sit this one out. You know, we have them on the bench, we can like call upon them like they did in the FA Cup game. Because I just think, you know, the sort of uh, game time, also like with the amount of games, it's, it's also pressing forward now going from year on in. They also do need a, some sort of some sort of break, and I, I still think, you know, if it's not going to work, say with Wallach, then try somebody else in midfield or whatever. Because look, I know would you, wants... would you would you would you go then the, you know, attacking midfield and then the right? Would you would you give Reason Nelson a shot, or would you would you play Pepe there, or would you try to play Pepe even in a number a role behind Lacazette? Even do you think do you think Pepe would yeah, get more joy uh, maybe playing behind the striker? He likes that, you know, that we he does more like a free roaming type of thing where he can cause damage. Because I just don't think I think he's just too predictable out on the left flank, and he's not really that good on the on. Sorry, he's like you know he does his job normally on the right flank, but he's quite predictable. And on the right, he doesn't get enough crosses in that you know we expect him to uh, to do. But I mean, as I said, I would also try just to somehow mix things up. Um, look, I don't want to also take um, Newcastle lightly, you know, uh, to make a big mistake. But I would also think this is also uh, also a sort of game where you can tweak the team a bit more, you know, if you want to give some people a rest. Because, I mean, I just hope, you know, people get a, a people like um, Tierney can make a, a return. I think Marie, as we discussed, I think, in the first part of the podcast, we, I think we also expect a bit too much from him for somebody that's been out so long. So, yeah. we're also a bit patient with his fitness. But I think Martinelli should be fit also for this, uh, for this game tomorrow night because... He has been training now, I think, well, for quite a few days now. Because they now just want to almost like stabilize the ankle and everything. Because that's why the, the, the Palace game was too soon for him. So, I mean, he could be a big, big plus for us for, for, for tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Martinelli will add something more. And I forgot about him, actually. So, you know, maybe he can slot in on, on the right-hand side. Or, you know, he can even... I don't know, bombing on the right doesn't really do yeah, exactly. justice. So, yeah, I think Martinelli could even go behind the striker. I mean, 
uh, just to play, or you can even drop like a Z-Deep, um, play Aubameyang on top and Martinelli out wide. You know, you have that option there. And then who knows, maybe Pepe can have a, have a better opportunity to do something with more freedom. Because if there's more attacking prowess, I think less eyes will be on him. So we switch our attention now as we now get to the closing part of the podcast. The talking points. Um, the biggest one at the moment is the Ozil deal looks now likely to be reaching a conclusion because Fenerbahce have now agreed. And I believe today, Sunday, the 17th of January, Ozil uh, is now heading to the, uh, I think, London Colony to say his goodbyes to the players and staff. Oh. I, I'm, look, I, I know it was a controversial way to things in, but you know, I, I think I'll miss the guy. I mean, he, he, he did give us some some good memories. Okay, another one biggest memory we all have is that deadline day signing of you know having Mesut Özil come to the team. But I think you know his his combination with Ramsey, Sanchez, and Giroud, even Walcott, will all be missed. I mean, I'm sure there was goals that can come to the top of your head or assists that you know made you jump off the edge of your seat so you know there's a sad way for things to end but you know I think he, he did his part for the club and you know we wish him just all the best for him in the future I don't know how you feel about the whole thing No I mean I just felt also you know bittersweet to a, what could have been a great career but I mean I think where we needed you know a real standout sort of player he just was not there. I mean, as much as you can bring players in, and you also needed him to do the, you know, the dirty work at times where, where need be. Because, I mean, everybody knows you can come from one of the top leagues, whatever, in Europe, and then you have to come there, and then you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and, and fight. And I think in the first part of his career, I think he did, for me, quite brilliantly. Because, I mean, he was yeah. contributing at people to target. and then, But it's not like the, the whole attitude also changed uh, changed a lot where when we got into the new contract thing where, yes. I don't know, I'm not saying he down tools. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he down tools. But I just think he could have offered more if you think of the sort of salary he was on. Because you think, if you think somebody's earning 30, 50K a week, yeah. you expect, you know, that sort of performance when you when you look at somebody at, like, like just say the brain or whatever, but you get people that are, like, say, on 200K or a bit less, and I mean, they're busy playing their ass, uh, you know, they're playing their ass off of the club or with the club's badge to get success. And I, th- I just think that's where it kind of turns sour for him. But I mean, I agree with you. I, I mean, I do wish him well for the Fenerbahce adventure. And I mean, who knows, maybe you can get some success there, you know, that he's been kind of dying for, you know, for like when he was at Arsenal. But I mean, that's that now with that chapter. I mean, that's not close. Thank goodness. Yeah, not to open the, 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 I don't know if I've just been not as much on social media or anything yeah. like that, but I haven't seen much, you know, talks about, you know, key players coming out. I know there was that youngster you mentioned from Bill, uh, Bill and that came in, but there's like just no talk of any, you know, players that might excite you or like even if it's a up and coming player that can slot in into the team somewhere, but there's just, because talks is quiet down. It's almost as after the positive results, you know, it's like the club is thinking, do we need new signings? Yeah. But I, I just think Arsenal, I don't know, I wonder if they actually gave Arteta the option, like, you know, use some money now for January or, you know, just make do with the squad as they are now. And I mean, maybe get in, like, say, a few loans because, look, we desperately need some sort of cover at left back, really. And I mean, yeah. 
even a, a goalkeeper as well. I think we need, even if it's like just a six-month case, because I know there have been goalkeeper names being thrown around. I mean, even Barcelona's number two Neto has been talked about. But I mean, of course, it's just all talk. And then, uh, yeah, left back, I don't know, that was also up in the air, like where, but I mean, I would actually try to get a natural left footer to play out on the left. And as yeah. I said, not to Saka, let, let Saka develop in his attacking position that he was, you know, there, you know, like made for, for him or carved out in the Arsenal setup. So get actually a, a decent left back. Even if it's somebody that's just trying to win his place back to get regular footballing and get someone like that in or... Or even I, I mean, I'm at a point where I'd even, I'd even take somebody from the academy just to have somebody on the bench that's a natural left back, not not where you're going to convert like a like a wing back like Maitland Niles to be sitting on that side. Because you know, if there's nothing natural coming in with a crossing, it takes a hell of a lot out of the team's you know momentum going forward. Yes, I think we missed the trick. I can't remember that youngster. We sold him to Bradford or Brentford or oh a left yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom. Uh, yeah, yeah, I Thompson. know who you're talking about. I don't know who, uh, uh, something Thompson, I think, something like that. So, I, know yeah, I, thought, I was impressed with him, like, you know, until we, we got rid of him, but obviously at that point with Colosinac and TNE probably vying for that left-back role, so, yeah, I, I just think, we, we, I think a, a Academy youngster would probably be the best option, just for the sake of, sometimes you get players that, you know, like, could get despondent when they don't play, so they'll like be happy to just be second fiddle and be back up. Yeah. Where you want to play to push TNE, not to say that you know you want TNE out of like to get out of place, but you want a youngster that you know can push him that so much so that if TNE picks up for two injury for two weeks, three weeks, that youngster will keep TNE out of the team up until you know a point comes where you have to take TNE out. So we need some sort of competition in that manner that we 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 we're lacking right now. Yeah, and then, of course, another news also, Arsenal have now also appointed a new director of football, Richard Garlic, who's previously worked at the Premier League, you know, in that uh, admin roles there, and he was at West Brom as well, like, some sometime, like, you know, a few years ago, because yeah. he moved from West Brom to the Premier League, because he is now going to be in charge also of the contract uh, situation at the club. Also, like, you know, how they finalize improve not only improving people's contracts at the, at the club currently but also when like any pending signings coming in now you'll also be fully in charge of that and like working quite closely with edu as well okay i hope that she's a, a successful appointment and you know all the best to him as well i mean i wanted to end the podcast on high but i mean i got some kind of mild news that the fact is that mustafi was now told about it to stay oh to see the season out because I think it's more a case of uh, defensive cover than, you know, you actually getting playing time because I think with, you, uh, you don't know how much things are going to happen when you say someone like Socrates is on the move. So I think it's more just as, like, as I said now, a cover. So, you know, we will probably now have to see how we make use of him from now until the end of the season. Okay, that's, that's uh, not, not, not the greatest thing to hear, but, you know, we, we have to just, take what we can get sometimes at this point yeah so with that we end the podcast i hope you guys have a fantastic weekend thank you for being patient with us because like as i said we did have a hell of a lot of problems technical problems so take care guys stay safe bye cheers guys hayden